First Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. And the word of the Lord came, saying unto him, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. That was the Atkins diet in the Bible. <laughs> Meat only and water. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon. And dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, she didn't even get it yet, he called to her again and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel." And a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. But make me therefore a little cake first. God wants to be first. And bring it, into, bring it unto me, because he represents the kingdom of God, this prophet. And after, make for thee and thy son. After. For, he didn't expect her to do it blindly. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the crews of all fail until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elisha, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crews of all fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he, notice, abode. And laid him upon his own bed, the prophet's bed, and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou brought evil upon the widow? Who, with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came into him again. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that the heart of man of God and that the word of the Lord is in, the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. I want to move on to another, another character as we continue our talk about the importance of proximity. But I felt the Lord prompt me and say, just go over this one more time quickly with the people and then move on to the next one. And so I have already talked about this last week, but it was a little bit more kind of just shotgun version. Blah, I just threw it at you. But I, I want to I break it down very quickly, and I'm going to go quick, into 10 simple thoughts to make it a bit more clear and a little bit more easy to remember 
10 simple nuggets or truths about this woman and Elijah that we learn from this story. And the word is, the word is living, so there's always more stuff. I mean, I've read this many times, and I've never seen some of the stuff that the Lord showed us or showed me and also showed my wife something. Number one, and I'm going quickly here because I said some of this last week, but number one, the brook Cherith. It was in front, it was in front of Jordan. Jordan is a big river. Cherith is a little brook. Yeah. In, a, in a drought, which do you think is going to dry up faster? The little brook. Jordan, there's no reference that it even dried up. Why wouldn't God send his man to a place of abundance? Why would he send him somewhere that's going to fail? Right? That's what the natural mind thinks. But my answer to you is God rarely sends you somewhere where you're never going to need him again. God does not send you into situations in your life where you're completely self-sufficient and can handle your future alone. It's not the way God works. Look at it in the Bible. Look at story after story after story. He doesn't work that way. God needs you to build your faith. And the only way you can build your faith is when you come up against a need. And if you're in a need and then you release your faith in his provision and miracles, he can meet that need because he wants to be working with you in tandem in your life. I've had people and the devil will bring people across your path to give you opportunities where you don't need God. I had the secular world, <laughs> not because I was so smart, but because my father was a rich man and a very powerful man and president of the New York Stock Exchange for a while and made a lot of money. And, and, and I had offers, won't go into details, but I had offers that if I had taken it, would have given me a half a million salary a year with much room to grow. That was a, that was a little, well, you got nothing. That was a little bit of a, Really? But you see, uh, that, that's not, that, wasn't, that wasn't my brook chair. That was Jordan. And then, when, and then other times when I was going to start this church, and then another open door came up in Louisiana for six-figure income, U.S. dollars, for me to be a pastor of a church of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It was all set up. All I had to do was sign on a piece of paper. And that was my Jordan. <laughs> that would be easy. And said, I started my living room with my mother, my mother-in-law. That wasn't easy. And, uh, and Marjorie Dyke, who last year went on to be with Jesus. And three of the people who since got offended and left. That wasn't easy, Greg, to work a job, secular job, for 45, 50 hours a week. And start a church when I had it all set up for me. See, because if I'd done that, I wouldn't have needed God. Plus, it just wasn't the plan. See, the plan is, is also about location. Don't go here, Elijah. Go here. And oftentimes, I'm just saying, it's not, a, it's not because you've missed it, because you find yourself in a place where you need God. God authors it that way because he wants your faith to continue to grow. And if you're in a place that's so everything's there, that's why don't ever make decisions based on money. Because if you make it based on money, how do you know that that may not be God? Well, but it's a blessing of God. No, it wasn't. Jordan looked like the blessing of God, but God told him to go to a small place. Pastor Nancy, when she gave up the, 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 the large 12,000 square foot house they had and went down to where she is now in Bear Creek, right by the church, it looked like they were downsizing. They were diminishing, but they weren't. They were repositioning. 
And God told them, it's not that you're downsizing. It's not that your faith is failing because you have a smaller home. It's because I'm getting you ready for the next season. And God knows where your faith is at. God knew where her faith was at. God knew her faith couldn't sustain when doctor went on. She didn't know doctor was going on. But thank God she got out of that large costing environment because she's going to be just with her faith, not with his faith. His faith could sustain that. Her faith was, so you see, it looks like sometimes God is lessening you, but you just have to trust the leading of the Spirit because He knows where your faith is at, and He also wants you to keep growing that faith, and He doesn't want you to just not have opportunities to trust Him. Amen. I'm telling you, this is a really important principle. So don't just take a job because it offers a big salary. Take a job because the Holy Ghost guides you into that job. And sometimes it will have a big salary because he knows that this is a reward for you. But other times he may not always lead you to the Jordan that's never going to run dry. He'll lead you to the brook knowing it will run dry because now you have to trust him again. And your faith is more important than your money. Your faith is more important than the brook being full or empty. Your faith is what he's after. Are you with me? Number two, God will use the, num- the most unlikely sources. Picking a very smart bird. <laughs> Raven is one of the smartest birds on the planet. And they're very smart and they remember faces and they can remember you 10 years later. That bird would have known right away, I'm giving up my dinner for this man by the brook. I'm not doing that again. And it's a, and it's a carnivorous scavenger that eats everything, including carrion. Why would it be bringing fresh meat to him? God is not always going to use the person that you thought or the job that you thought, or the open door that you thought. He's not always going to do it that way. He sometimes uses unorthodox means. So we got to apply this to our life and realize, wow, Lord, uh, I'm not, it's not always going to be through this thing I thought it was going to be through, but you're going to make a way. And the stranger it is, and the more unorthodox it is, and the more unlikely it is, the more he gets the credit, because everybody else knows this could not be you. My father <laughs> recently came over to my house and he didn't want me to be a preacher. And he said, preachers are liars. Half of them are liars. The other half are broke. So he said, I know you're not a liar, so you're going to be broke. He told me that when I first started, when I went to Bible school. That was his big advice. <laughs> and he said, I'm buying you a suit because you'll never be able to afford to buy one yourself. He's sweet. He's trying his best. He's trying to protect me. We don't know God. And then he recently came over. We haven't seen him in many years. He came to see the children. And, 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 and he was looking at the house. And he was looking at this. He's looking at other things. And he said, you're doing really well. And I said, uh, it's not that I'm doing really well, Dad. I said, I obeyed God. You didn't know what I was doing. But it's not that I'm so smart. It's that the plan of God is so great. And when you obey, provision and supply is always there. And the, the liars are broke thing didn't come out of his mouth this time. Because he couldn't deny that the blessing of God, the blessing of God is real for those that will obey him. That was actually a testimony to secular people whose life has been around making money, who believe that if you follow God, you'll, 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 you'll die cold, alone, and broke. And then when they see the children of God blessed, 
I didn't say rich, I said blessed. That means a full supply. I don't consider myself rich, but I do consider myself, I'm going glory to glory with a supply. Hallelujah. God said, put a pool in. I said, I don't want to put a pool in. He said, put a pool in. I said, well, I want it for my kids, but I don't want the expense. And he told us how to work it and redo redo a financing and and it came to within $100 of what we needed. We had 100 more. And I used that to buy chemicals for the pool. But, but, but I, I didn't know how that was going to work, but God wanted, there was a supply for that exact thing. I could not know at the time that there would be a supply to that exact specification because when you're dealing in COVID and you're dealing with getting a refinance and everybody's nervous and they don't know if you're going to lose your job because so many people are losing their job and you're a charity based on donations, you're not making widgets, that's a guaranteed income. Do you understand? Because they look at my, what my employment is, and it's a high risk. Do you understand? And so who would have thought what, the, what would have happened or this or that or whatever, but it came within $100 of what we needed. But God spoke to my wife and I. He spoke to us. I didn't come up with it. I'm more than happy to do away with that. We'll just go to Oasis and swim in that lake. I said, Lord, we don't need a pool. We've got Oasis. I'll drive up there and let the kids swim. He said, I want you to have it because it's a reward for your faithfulness. And I'm going to work it out so that you hardly even feel it. And it's going to, and it came to almost the exact number. What I'm saying is you don't always understand how it's going to happen. He couldn't figure out a raven was going to come, but God has a way to bring it to pass. If you'll just listen, be where he told you to be. If he told you don't take that job and you take that job, then you wonder why the raven doesn't show up because the raven's at the brook and you're at Jordan starving, but the raven's over there with the meat. Be where he tells you to be. Obey the promptings and through unconventional means if necessary, supply will be there. I'm, talk, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen because this is going to help you. Amen. And I'm enjoying it so much, Lord, I don't think we're going to get to the next person because I'm just enjoying this too much today. God, number three, has assigned somebody to help you. God has anointed somebody to help you. I need you to get that. God has anointed somebody to help you. You don't know who they are. They might not even be saved, but there's somebody that God has assigned, quote unquote, or anointed or commanded to help you. He said, I've commanded a widow woman to help you. Widow woman, give me a rich person. Unconventional, unorthodox. Not only that, a widow woman who's not a Jew. She's part of, 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 of Tyre and Sidon. That's where she was. She's not even a Jew. She's outside the covenant. I got a secular heathen sinner who don't got no faith, who's don't got no money, and who don't know how to hear me. I want you to listen to that. I've got some low, broke, almost dead loser, Greg, and they don't even know me. But I've assigned them to help you. you don't, what God's looking for is not a, that doesn't even make sense. How could that happen? Just, okay, I'm going to Zarephath. Because it matters where I'm at. It matters where I am. It matters that I don't go over to Jordan because there's lots of water still there. It matters that I go over to Zarephath because that's where God said. Unsaved, no faith, no money, no family, no prospects, depressed, suicidal. That is the recipe for success. <laughs> if God's in it. And then he gets there and she don't know nothing about it. So because when he says commanded, the Hebrew word means assigned. 
It makes us think that God already talked to her. How could he talk to her? She's outside the covenant. She is not even a Jew. And we're in the Old Testament where even Jews couldn't hear from God. Only the prophet, priest, and king could. And as God did something miraculous, and he never did it outside the covenant. So how could he speak to this poor woman? She doesn't qualify to hear the voice of God. But as long as she got around the one that God had assigned to her life, which was the prophet, but the prophet had to be in the right place. Maybe I should say it this way. You don't realize how blessed you are, and I don't say that pridefully. You don't realize how blessed you are that I didn't go to Peru. Because I had to be in the right place for me to be blessed and supplied. And you, maybe the, I wouldn't maybe have picked each and every one of you as the perfect ideal church attenders. Some of you I would, maybe some of you I wouldn't. But, but it didn't matter because he didn't pick the widow. It mattered that the widow got around the person that God had assigned to them. Now, now let me, this morning when I was praying, the Lord added another little aspect of this to me. He said, you're always talking about how they, the ministry, the kingdom, okay, there's somebody assigned to help the prophet. There's a widow assigned to help Elijah that represents the ministry. So you always say, this is what he said to me this morning, you always say, and rightfully so, there's somebody out there, you and others, assigned to make the kingdom flourish and go forward. But then I heard him say this, what about people that I've assigned for the people so that they go forward? And I thought, well, that would make sense. If you've assigned it to me, if you've assigned somebody to help me, why wouldn't you assign somebody to help them? And then I said, well, Lord, that's another way of looking at this. And I said, well, how do they figure out who's assigned to them? Because I know that I figure out who's assigned to me. They figure out their part in the kingdom by being around the local church. But how do they figure out who's going to help them? And he answered me and he said the exact same way by being around the local church. Because the impartation and the honor and the blessing of God that comes on you for being faithful will release in that realm out there that you don't even understand or know. The world's realm. The secular realm. Being faithful here moves God's hand for him to sign somebody for you out there and to cause your paths to cross. And that's where angels get involved because they help paths to cross. Remember Genesis 24? Uh, go, let the angel go prosper you in the way to the servant of Abraham looking for the wife for Isaac. What did the angel do? Caused Rebekah to be at the well at the exact same moment that the servant showed up in divine inspiration moving people's physical schedules so that one person meets another person that's not coincidence that's angelic intervention and angels can cause you to be in the exact right time right spot because they've already worked on the other person and influence them and now your paths cross now that comes because you're honoring God putting him first in his house so he can move his hand to sign somebody for your house there are two sides of this coin. For God's kingdom to come to pass, you've got to be, he's assigned you to supply promise of life. And you've got to be around the man of God so that you hear the vision and that you obey. But on the other flip side, he has assigned somebody to bless your life who might be in the church or most likely outside the church. Maybe even a heathen sinner like the widow. Maybe unorthodox that you don't think this is the right person, but he's assigned them.
But by you being here faithful, it moves his hand to touch that person there. And before you know it, that business connection just works. Before you know it, you meet that right connection. Before you know it, that person says, I don't know why, but I, I just, I just got to do this for you. My brother Rob just got a great job. And when he, I'm, I don't, I'm paraphrasing based on the short text he sent me, but he was believing for a job up there by Oasis. We're paying him for the summer, but he's got to use his faith. And, when, and he found a job that he's qualified for. And when he went in and sat before the guy, correct me if I'm wrong, brother, but he seemed to smile at you and be so grateful that you had shown up as an answer to his prayers. Gave him the job on the spot. Praise God. That's, a, that's called angels. Causing Rob to be right where he needs to be. Causing that man to get real desperate. Causing that man to be looking for somebody. And then on the day they meet together. And before you know it, somebody is assigned and anointed by God to help you because you put God first. And you are assigned to help the kingdom and you've got to be around. See, she didn't know it. She didn't know it. Now you have the Holy Ghost, so you should know some things. She didn't. But I'm saying if she as a sinner without the indwelling knew it, did not know it, but got it by the minister, by the preacher, you're going to get certain things just by hearing the vision preached. But because you're in the covenants of promise in the New Testament, you should be picking things up. You should be picking things up about what God wants you to do for his kingdom, about how he wants you to sow, how he wants you to serve. You should be picking it up. You shouldn't be resistant because you've got the inner witness of the Holy Ghost. That widow never had that. Do you see, do you see some principles here? It matters who you're around. It matters you go to Zarephath. It matters you go to promise. It matters you hear the man of God speak. It matters that you are, know that you're assigned to help. Amen. That you're important. doesn't matter what you look like. You're important Amen. to this vision. Amen. And it also matters that you know that you're not just helping God's kingdom. He wants to help your kingdom. Amen. There is somebody he's anointing to help you right now. Right now they're anointing to help you. I don't have time to read it because we'll never get through the message, but there's a story that I often read to you from a, a minister that Dr. Defray knew years ago, and he had a vision, and he saw, and Jesus took him in the spirit, and he saw this woman who had, had two children, and she was single, and she was broke, and she was broke down and hurting, and she was in her parents' church, and she was crying in the back row, not listening to the sermon, saying, God, why does my life not work? Why, when I ask you, you don't help me? And he turned the man in the vision, and Jesus was crying, and he said to the Lord, he said, why are you crying? He said, because I want to help her so bad. Do you hear her prayers? She thinks that I've abandoned her. And he said, now, and then he took him across town to another church that was teaching faith. And this dead old church that she was in because of her old parents that wasn't teaching her nothing. And he said, because she has yielded to her parents' control, she is in this church and, and I can't help her because she's out of my perfect will. But if she would come over to this church, the pastor was preaching a series on financial, uh, how to get out of debt and, and be financially prosperous. And she, he said, that's her answer in that sermon. And then he said, you see that man over there sitting in the row? And she said, yes. He said, he's a mechanic. My angels have already instructed him to fix her car for free. Because she was saying, Lord, if I don't have a car that I've broken, I can't go and apply for work. How can I work if I don't have a car? And how can I have a car if I don't work? And he said, see that man in the spirit, in this other church, that mechanic, I've assigned that mechanic to fix that car for free. You see that one over there? Uh, that lady, she's retired. I've assigned her to watch her children so that she can go to night school. And you see that night school? I've assigned her to go there to get a degree. And you see this job down here? I've already got that plan for her. And she's going to be more than self-sufficient with that job. The whole thing planned out. Where did the woman need to be? In Zarephath. 
Where was she? Jordan. Angels can't help you if you're in the wrong spot the same way because their assignment is the perfect will of God, not the permissive. Go where he tells you to go no matter how unorthodox it may seem. Well, I don't like the drive to promise of life. Tough luck, it's your Zarephath. Well, I don't like my Elijah. He's hairy. Elijah was hairy. Pastor Craig's got great hair, Lord. I don't like it. Makes me insecure when I compare my hair to his hair. Tough luck. Sorry, Nigel. Tough luck. <laughs> it's your Zarephath. But I'm a widow, but there's another widow. I don't like it, Zarephath. She's been annoying me. See her over there, Lord, wearing that clothes? Who does she think she is wearing that dress? She can't wear that dress. She looks ugly in that dress. You see, you see what people are like? Yeah. Looking across the congregation, judging each other, slandering each other in their hearts, talking about each other. One widow arguing about another widow. Stop arguing about the other widows and just recognize I'm in my Zarephath. Pay attention to what's being said. Bring your supply. It won't just help the ministry. Didn't just cause him not to starve. It'll save your life. Saved her son's life. Saved her life. And God's got somebody assigned to help you out there in the world. Yes, I'm assigned to help you to some measure, but there's other people that are assigned to help you with the different areas, getting jobs, getting what you need. There's people assigned. God has assigned them. When you put him first here, he'll open the doors there. Are you still with me? Praise God. So I, I did a whole lot of points altogether. Number three, he's assigned somebody to help you. Number four, she had to get around him in order to know what God was saying to her. Praise God. Number five, watch now, the doorway to her miracle was serving. Getting water from the well cost her nothing. Ministry of helps cost you nothing. It's a small thing. Notice he didn't even want the water. She didn't even get the water. He just wanted to see if she was willing to get the water. As she's going, he calls her back, says, forget the water. That's not really the real reason I, I've got you here. God will start you small. He'll start you to see, can you just show up to church? Or do you always want to go away every weekend? I'm being honest with you. Don't laugh, Brother, Brother Wayne. <laughs> it's true. Because some people, the basic, simplest things they can't do. Just he asks you to be faithful. He asks you to serve a little bit. He just asks you to not slander each other. And to lift your hands and to worship him and to bring you down. These are not hard things. He's asking you for basic stuff. Now listen, that's not the door to your miracle. That just, that just gets you on the path. Now as soon as the little stuff was taken care of, then what did he do? Now he asked her something to cost her. Now, now she's got a problem. Now she didn't speak up before. Now she's speaking up. Now she's protesting. What are you asking me to do this for? Me and my son, we're gonna, we, I only got enough for him. Right? God will ask you to do a small thing first. It's a doorway to your miracle. God uses small things that cost you very little to prove your faithfulness to open the door to your miracle. If you can't even be faithful in the little, the Bible says, how can he make you ruler over much? If she can't be faithful with water, how is she going to be faithful with the miracle of food that never ends? Be faithful to come. Be faithful to give. Be faithful to serve. Just be faithful in the little. And it will open the door. It's going to position you for something far greater. Praise God. Now, what, that's five. Number six, once the door is open, because of your faithfulness in little, you've still got to step out. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like you know, you see this house there, and you're on the sidewalk. Your little puts you right in front of that door. It positions you. Yeah. 
But then when the door opens and the miracle you're told, the man of God told her, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. He doesn't say you do it blindly. He tells you in his word what the promise is. So it's like I'm, my little got me positioned. Are you listening? But I still don't have my miracle yet. Now the instruction comes, the door opens. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. But you've got to do it by faith. The act of making the cake, putting God first, put her foot through the threshold of that door and she stepped into the blessing. The house is the blessing. She's outside the house. She's in fact on the sidewalk, but her faithfulness positioned her in, in, so that she is at least a qualifier for a miracle. Now the door opens with the instruction, do this and God's going to do a miracle for you. But until she steps in faith, until she makes the step of faith, until she steps past the threshold into the house of blessings, it will not work. Some of you, your faithfulness has positioned you. God has said, if you'll do this through the man of God, through me, if you'll, if you'll be honorable, if you'll do certain things like Sariah, if you'll just give, and I don't even ask you to take it out of your money. If you don't have it, just believe me for the money. I'll give you the money. If you do this, I'll bless you. Now, see, the door's open, but Sariah has to step in. Most people just stand there looking at it. Well, isn't that such a beautiful inside? Wow, that's what the blessing looks like. They'll never touch it. They'll never enjoy it. But Sariah started saying, I want to get in there. I, I, but I got to sow that seed to get in there. I got to obey what God said to me through my pastor. So, and through Brother Randy. So, Lord, bring me the money because I don't got it. And God brought, let the heathen supply the fund. It can't be any easier if you just use your faith. She got the money. She sold the money. Remember back in the Mississippi, back, back, back yonder? She sold the money. What did she do by that act? She stepped in. And within 24 hours, she had a job paid her seven times more. Now, I'm not always promising it's going to happen in 24 hours or that it's going to be seven times more. But what I'm saying is God could not get the thing to her like he couldn't get it to the widow until she stepped in faith. Don't be a gawker. Don't just look at the promise and say, isn't that great? Take a step of faith. He's wanting you to believe him and trust him and act on that corresponding action. James says faith is dead unless you do something. Don't just confess it. Do something. It works with your confession. Are you with me? I'm giving you nuggets. Mm. The door is open. You got to step in. Number seven, God don't expect you to do it blindly. The word tells us the promises of God are ours if we will obey. He didn't just say, give me the cake and expect her to do it. He said, if you do this, this food will never end. Think about the miracle of that. Angels had to be making food every day and oil every day until rain came. Because why? Because then she can get a harvest on her natural crops. But she was getting a harvest supernaturally, but translated into the natural realm. Why? Because of her honor, because of her seed. My brother, can you believe that? You, you, you give one little cake and for years you eat three meals a day till you're stuffed. One little cake. What if she had said no? She would have physically died. And you know what, Brother Greg? The man of God would have been fine. Do you know why? Because God would have said, go to that widow. Go to that person. He'd just keep going one house to the next until somebody had faith. The rest of them would die. I don't mean to be mean about this. 
But God said to me a long time ago through Dr. Dufresne, as long as you stay in my will, this church will never fail. And if one person gets offended and leave, they're the ones that get hurt, not you, son. They're the ones that separate, not you, son. You just stay here. I've got lots of people I can fill their spots with. In other words, the man of God's not going to starve no matter what. God can bring him another raven if he has to. But he'll just keep going to people until somebody says yes. Thank God that woman said yes, because if she didn't, she would have died and the next person would have had an opportunity. We're not going to fail. He'll just keep going to people until they say yes. Until they say yes. So from that perspective, I'm very secure. Do you understand? What I mean is I'm not secure in that I've got all the money that we need for the ministry, far from that. But I'm secure because of faith. I'm secure because I'm in the place God asked me to be. I'm not in Peru. I'm not doing this or that. I'm exactly where he asked me to be. I'm in the perfect will of God. I'm in the perfect will of God. Pastor Nancy said to me, she said, I'd like you to come down with me to Brother Copeland's meeting and help, tra- help travel with me to Brother Copeland's meeting. And I, and I said, well, that's a great honor, Pastor. And I went and I prayed. And the Holy Ghost said, now she wasn't asking by the Spirit. She was just, just, she likes people with her that she feels comfortable with. It was just a, a natural thing. And she wasn't saying it by the Holy Ghost. And I went and I said, Lord, can I do that? And the Lord said, no. I said, but I want to do that. I want to do that. He said, no, your place is at promise of life. Go back. Now, you see, I could have disregarded that and gone down and meet all these people, all these ministers, all these fancy stuff, and been out of the perfect will of God. But I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm right here where I'm supposed to be. Praise God. You see, there's a price to pay sometimes for being in the perfect will of God. But if you just pay it, that's why I know I'm going to be safe. Because as long as the prophet's in Zarephath, he can't starve. If he leaves to go somewhere else, he could starve. But when you're in the place, you can't starve. If you're called to this church and you don't quit like the weirdo people that talk about Abraham not having a job and other people, if you just don't quit and stay where he puts you in Zarephath, don't worry if one widow who God assigned to you in the world says no. Stay where you're at. There's another one coming. There's another option coming. There's another breakthrough coming. God has assigned somebody to help you. And if they say no, he will go to the next person. But one way or the other, you will be okay. Why? Because you are where you're supposed to be. I will be fine as long as I stay in the perfect will of God. God will bring people. If people don't listen, he'll bring new people because he has to by covenant take care of this ministry because we are in Zarephath. Now he just told me I was at Cherith and he told me, I'm trying to help you. He told me you're in Cherith. He said to me in Florida, he said, now it's time to go to Zarephath. He will move you. He said, you're used to, you're comfortable with what you're doing, but I want you to start traveling. You see, for me, that's going from Cherith to Zarephath. If I say no, what's going to happen? The brook's going to dry up, Greg. The money for this church will dry up. And I'll be like pressuring you. Why don't you give your bunch of this? We're not making this. We're not making that. We're not making the other. Now, sometimes you have to correct people who are not doing their job. They're not supplying the need. But at the end of the day, uh, God has to supply the need because I have to be in the will. If I don't move from Cherith to 
to Zarephath. If I don't step into the other things of my call, do you understand? If I don't go where God tells me to go, then my, if I stay where it's comfortable, it will dry up. And all of a sudden, so some of you, if things are drying up, ask yourself, you have a covenant. He has to take care of you. If you're living clean and you're tithing and you're giving and you're serving and you're doing what you know and things are drying up, you're in the wrong place. And I don't mean at this church. I mean, it's something in your business, something in your job, something with another opportunity. He's asked you to transition and you're staying where it's safe. And safe is actually not safe because the brook will dry where you call it safe. Safe is the plan. Whatever the plan is, is where it's safe. This church will continue to thrive if I obey God and the apostolic. If I stop, this thing will start drying up. When Dr. Dufresne was in, was in uh, Oklahoma, do you remember, Greg? And God said, then this and go. And he took three years instead of three months or four months or whenever it was. He dragged, he dragged. All the money in that church started drying up because he's not in Zarephath. Do you understand? Then when he said, fine, I'll, I'll do it, all of a sudden things started going. My God, people, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving answers and rescues. If things aren't working right, look to your personal life. Are you treating your wife right? Because if you don't, the Bible says your prayers will be hindered. Women, are you baking arsenic pies? Because if you do that for your husband, your prayers will be hindered. Are you using the skillet ministry? If you do, your prayers will be, will be hindered. No, you look to yourself. Am I, am I, am I living clean sexually? Am I living clean morally? Am I stealing from my work? Am I doing things that are wrong? Am I watching things that are wrong? Am I treating my children and my wife? You should also ask, because I do, am I treating my pastor right? I ask that of the Lord all the time. Is there anything more I should do for Pastor Nancy? You should be, I'm just trying to help you. Check, check yourself. Am I tithing? Am I giving? Am I serving? Am I doing what I know to do? As long as those boxes are ticked, I have a covenant, buddy. Don't you understand? I have a covenant. I have a blood covenant. When I cannot fail, it's not possible. But if I am failing, it doesn't mean my covenant has failed. It means my location, my proximity has failed. It means God told me not to stay here and go there, but I'm still staying here because it's easy on the flesh. It's easy on the mind. It takes no stretch of faith to stay here. But God says, move on, move on yonder. If you'll just go on yonder by faith, it took him faith to go. A widow woman, I'm sure all the way he was thinking to himself, widow woman, widow woman, widow woman don't have any money. How is, we gonna, how is this going to happen? Widow woman don't have any money. All the way he's thinking that. And then he gets there and she's resistant and broke and depressed and suicidal. I mean, everything doesn't look like it's going right. But he just speaks. That's what God said. Sweetheart, listen to me. You have a chance for greatness. Please, please pass this test. If you don't, you will die, but I will be fine because you're not where God's asked you to be if you disobey, but I'm where God's asked me to be. Are you listening? She dies. He goes into the next one. Thank God she didn't die, but she could have. Do you understand? It matters that you're not just you're in the church. Yes, we always talk about that, but we can go beyond that. It matters that you're in the place in business where you should be. It matters you're in the place with your job where you should be. It matters that you don't retire too soon and you don't retire too late. It matters that you're in the perfect timings of God. And you know all of this by a prayer life. Because every time you're about to step out, you check your heart. 
Check your spirit. And if it feels flat and dead and just this, something's not right, it may not be a huge warning, a huge red bell ringing, but if there's just a, something does not, it feels like there's no spark, it's, it's the Lord's telling you that's permissive will, that's not perfect will. Don't do that. But you've got to pray a lot to be able to pick that up. And if there's a, a red light, it means if you do that, there'll be destruction because you're getting out of even the permissive will into the out no will of God. And now you're open for the devil to take you out. Follow that inward witness. Follow that inward witness. Follow the inward witness. It won't lead you wrong. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jennifer, is this okay? Uh, we're not getting to the next one. I can tell you that right now. But, but, but we'll just keep going with this and we'll finish this up and then call it a day. Hallelujah. Now watch this now. Are you ready? Number eight. She got her first meal. What's number one? I can see Sandra's asking, what's number one? Sandra, it's the brook sheriff. He'll lead you to a place. He won't lead you always to a place of self-sufficiency where you don't need him. Number two, ravens. He'll use unlikely sources. Number three, he's assigned somebody to help you. That means he's assigned you to help me, but he's also assigned somebody out there to help you. And you're going to know both ways by just being, putting him first, being around the place. Number four, she had to be around him to hear the instruction. Now, you've got the Holy Ghost, but there's certain things you still have to be around the man of God to hear. And the Lord will show you things and but also confirm things through my mouth to you. Yeah. So you have to be in the right location. Yes. Do you understand that? Number five, the doorway to her miracle was serving with the water. The small thing positioned her. Number six, once the door opened with the instruction, she had to cross the threshold by the act of faith by bringing the cake. Number seven, God didn't expect her to do it blindly. He told her exactly what was going to happen. He told her a miracle is waiting for you. Just obey. And of course, if she didn't do it, he's going to bring somebody else. Because when you're in the right place, you can't fail. It's not possible. I was in the perfect will of God, Rob, to be on that platform in India. The pastor made the mistake of the day, but I was there to preach. I was in the plan of God. If I wasn't, uh, that thing would not have happened the way it did. But because I was in the place where I was supposed to be, it's not my fault that the pastor messed it up. I'm where I'm supposed to be. He's not. It's not my fault. It's his. So God has to honor my covenant because I'm in the right place. And that's why he froze those 30 people and delivered me from certain death. And the same thing, when we were going over the mountain in Guatemala into Iperpais to buy groceries, we had to go over an actual mountain. Jennifer was pregnant. The scooter was very small. I wasn't as big as I am now, but two people pregnant on a scooter that small going up a, a, a 40 degree angle. I had to get off and push her up the hill with my hand on the accelerator maximized and still pushing just to get us. And we're going like this slow. Just, and it's like, the engine, because this, it was so steep. And then we have to be careful we don't blow the brakes because on the other way down, it's also so steep. We're wearing yellow helmets, look like bumblebees. And we're going through this place and everybody, everybody, everybody stops and looks, points. These old ladies shaking their heads, going about sweeping. Look up, shake their heads. I said, Jenny, what is wrong with these people? Why do they keep looking at us? See, we're where we're supposed to be. Because the, the grocery store close to us sold car batteries and sandwich meat in the same aisle. You don't buy sandwich meat where you buy your car batteries because I guarantee you the sandwich meat will make you sick. 
So we had to go over the mountain to a, a grocery store that was clean. We're in a third world country. And God said to me, go over there. I loved it because I like pushing Jenny up that hill. I'd make fun of her the whole way. Jennifer, you weren't so big. My God. And I just, we just have a lot of fun together. We, we, were, we were crazy. And we'd go, I'd speed. I'd just, slow down. I can't. I don't want to blow the brakes. We're going. We get there. Why is they all looking at me? Shake, do you remember, Jenny? They do this with the old ladies. And they look and they go like this. They shake their heads and they do I said, what's wrong? I thought it must be my helmet. So I took my helmet off. The next week we went without the helmet and they're still shaking their heads and doing this. I said, I don't know what. And nobody would talk to us. Nobody interrupted us. They would just stare at us. People would point to us as we're going by. I said, what is wrong with these people? I know we're white, but you've seen white people before, haven't you? And then the day we go to the airport, the man said, where did you go get your groceries? I told him, and he went pale. He was the head over all five nations for the assemblies of God. He was the leader of all five Central American nations. And he said, that is the most dangerous town in five countries. He said, I have bulletproof glass on my SUV and I won't let my wife go through that town with bulletproof glass. He said, you're telling me you went with a yellow helmet through that town? Do you remember, Jenny? His face went pale. He said, do you not read the paper? I said, we don't speak Spanish. How can we read the paper? <laughs> every week, every week, they kidnap gringos. I'm, I'm, I'm a gringo. I'm a gringo. They decapitate them. They put their head in the center of the street. They hang their bodies up for the whole village to know the cartels own this village. Gringos come here, we kill them. And I'm going on the yellow scooter. That's why the ladies were looking at me and shaking their head because they were saying, I can't believe he's not dead yet, but maybe today. <laughs> Look at that poor woman with, 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 the, with the, ba the baby. They just take their knives and they cut the babies out of women. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but that's what they do. The cartels are vicious, vicious. They cut babies out of pregnant women. Those women know. They're shaking their head at us pointing their finger at us, but because I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, what happens? Angels, 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 angels cause those cartel members to get drunk, to be whatever, to be doing something else. Angels got involved. Why? Because I'm where I'm supposed to be. I don't care how much danger there is on the highway. If you'll be where you're supposed to be, you'll be safe. I don't care how bad the economy is. If you be where you're supposed to be, there's somebody anointed to help you. And if they say no, don't worry. You're going to be fine as long as you're in the right place. Do you remember Abraham when the guy says, I'm going to go get a daughter for you? Stay with me now. Do you remember Abraham when he said, God, God's going to go get a daughter. I'm going to go get a, a daughter for Isaac. And he said to her, I won't read it, but read it yourself. He said, if she won't come, do I have permission to take Isaac there? What did Abraham say? Now, this is the woman that's going to bring Jesus into the earth. But Abraham knew, well, he didn't know because it happened later, but he knew by the Holy Ghost, the woman is not as important. Remember, God used a harlot called Rahab, and Jesus came from Rahab's loins. Jesus came from a prostitute's loins. So God's not that concerned that it has to be the second cousin, Rebecca. He wants it to be her, but it's not that important because he can use a harlot to bring Jesus in. What did he say? Under no circumstances 
Far be it from me, Abraham said. If the woman won't come, we will take from the daughters here, the heathen people. For my son cannot leave the land of promise. Why? He, it was so critically important to Abraham. When God tells us to be here, you don't go there even looking for a wife. You stay where God says. Because the blessing and the prosperity is because I am in obedience with where he said. Isaac's not going. I don't care if you find the wife or not. He stays. That must be your attitude. I stay with Jesus. I stay where he's planted me in which church. I stay with the message of faith. I stay, I stay, I stay. Because that's my safe place. That's my miracle place. If somebody says no, don't worry. There's another widow lined up. I can't fail if I'm in the right place. Trying to help you. Woo, my God. It's so good to be in the right place. Amen. Number eight. Listen, I'm almost done. She got her first meal. And the continuation of that miracle depended, are you listening? To her continued proximity. Listen, Greg, she got the meal. Took away the hunger pains. But that's not the end of the miracle. She has to keep getting meals for years while the rain is not falling. Did she say, go to a hotel? Did she say, sayonara, amigo? I got my meal, adios. Or as Greg says, adios. <laughs> she said, move in, buddy. Move in. In fact, I'm going to make the attic for you. I want you to have your own spot, your own bed, your own everything. Move in, move in, move in. Stay close to me. Why? Because she had to stay in proximity for the next day's meal. For the next day's meal. Listen, the meal was not going to fail and the oil was not going to quit as long as the man of God was with her. She puts him out. That stops. Because God is interested in his kingdom first. Continued proximity brings continued miracles. Are you with me? Now, next one. I never saw this. My wife started to see it, and then God gave me some more revelation on it. Number nine, <laughs> the emergency is over. The rains have come. The meal and the oil has stopped. Everything's finished. It's logical to say, adios, Elijah, go on your way. But what does she do? She's so smart. She keeps them close. I want you to stay up here, and anytime you're traveling, you come back to this place. This is your inn. This is your hotel. Are you paying attention? She keeps him close and makes a little place for him, even though the miracle is over. The need is over. The emergency is finished. But she doesn't end the honor. I'm trying to help you. You might get one breakthrough, but then you end the honor. Don't end the honor after one miracle. Because listen to me, there's something bigger that you're going to need. And she just keeps them close and keeps the honor flowing, keeps the honor flowing, keeps the honor flowing, keeps the honor flowing. And then all of a sudden, one day, her baby dies. And she goes to the pun that she has shown honor for. And she says, what are you going to do about it? I'm telling you, there's a boldness in your faith that will come when you've been honorable and you've been in the right place. Now, my wife said an amazing statement. She said she was able to access the faith of Elijah because of her honor. It wasn't her faith that could raise the baby up. And it wasn't her faith that could do the meals for three years. It was Elijah's faith. 
She act, her faith was just sowing. Elijah's faith got the miracle done. She, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to help you. You will access the faith of your man of God if you show honor. And if you stay close and if you stay in the right place, you'll honor, you'll access that faith. Now, there's more than that. Do you know what it takes, Brother, Brother Taylor, for food to reproduce on its own? Do you know what it takes to raise somebody who's dead? It takes the working of miracles and it takes the gift of faith. And the dead raising takes the gifts of healings as well. But the other two takes the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Now, Brother, that's not all Elijah's faith because to do the working of miracles and the gift of faith, you have to have the gifts of the Spirit come upon you. But Elijah's faith positioned him. He went as far as his faith could go, which was greater than hers. But then it took literally the power of the gifts operating on him to make the miracle happen. So now connect dots with me. What is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is a supernatural endowment of faith from the Holy Ghost that comes on you for a season of time to believe for something that your faith cannot believe for. But what is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is God's faith himself coming on you for a moment. She did not just access the prophet's faith. She accessed God the Father's faith in his throne room. Because when the gift comes on the man of God, it comes directly from God himself. God painted him with his own faith. She accessed God's faith by her honor. If people could catch this, you will access the faith that I have by your honor and being put, stay put in the right place. But more than that, you will honor, if your need requires more than the faith I've got, which it very well might, you will access God himself's faith through me by the gifts of the Spirit. If you'll just stay close, if you'll just stay honorable, if you'll just maybe stay in my house. Stay in my house. See the attitude? Stay in my house. I have that attitude. Whether you, you do or not is your business. I have that attitude with Pastor Nancy. Pastor Nancy, I'm going to be around you whether you like it or not. So you just get used to it. Pastor Nancy, I mean, stay in your house. Pastor Nancy, stay in my house. Pastor Nancy, I mean, staying in the house is a lot of symbolic, symbolic there. Just, just carrying a briefcase, staying in the house. I travel with you, stay in the house. How can I serve you? Stay in the house. Just, just stay with me. Just stay close to me. I, I know God assigned me. I know this is my Zarephath. I know you're my man. Just stay close. Just stay close. I'm pleading with you. Stay close with me. Because my honor, are you listening? Allows me to access her faith. And if her faith is not enough for what we need, are you listening? My honor will access God's faith that comes upon her and the gift of faith to help me with my miracle. And I mean, I'm very serious about that. But, but don't, don't notice what the, what the condition was. It wasn't just sowing the seed. It was the honor. It was staying close. It was having a respect. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. And number 10, the last one, that was number nine. Number 10, the last one is, do you realize that this wasn't just about Elijah? And this wasn't just about the woman? And it wasn't just about her son? By Elijah and this woman acting this way, it affected the next generation. Because Elisha served at the feet of Elijah. And Elijah explained to Elisha what the woman did. Then Elisha goes and tells the woman, the great woman, remember, that perceived he was a man of God, tells her 
exactly what the widow at Zarephath did for his spiritual father. Then that woman makes a house, a room within her house. Exact, parallel, it repeated itself. How do you think that woman knew that? Because Elisha told her about the woman at Zarephath. There was a testimony. Now that other woman does the same thing. It affected another generation. Now when her son died, remember, came in the field, mumming my head. Then she came to Elisha and said, it is well. Come on, take it. And he got on that child, same way his daddy did. Nose to nose, face to face. And he said, come back. You see, Elijah and Elisha have the same exact miracle of raising dead. They even did it the same way, both with women, both living in the woman's house. Why? Because what happened with Elijah and the woman of Zarephath didn't stop there. It went to the next generation. The, the, the story was told. And somebody else acted and was inspired by that widow's faith. And I want to tell you something. It didn't just stop with Elisha and the great widow. It has gone generation upon generation. And today, 2,700 years later, we sit here in 2022 talking about the widow and about Elijah so that you can be inspired by the word which brings faith. You can be inspired by that woman's faith, inspired by Elijah's faith. We're still telling the story, Jenny. See, when things happen in your life, they don't end with you. Somebody hears about what God did for you. See, Robert, somebody heard this morning about what God did for you. That inspires their faith. Now God can do it for them. Praise God. That's why he wanted me to tell that Catholic couple and not just cover them. He wanted me to tell them how God's blessed me. Because it will inspire their faith. And if they obey, he can now bless them. It's gone to another generation. He wants you to tell people how God's blessed you. He wants you to tell people how God's healed you, how God's honored you. He wants you to tell people principles. You got to be where God tells you to be. You got to be in the right church. You got to sow. You got to step out by faith even when it's hard. You got to trust God. I did it. Look what he did for me. He can do that for you. And all of a sudden, your testimony goes to another generation. And somebody else gets a miracle because of what you said. This is a gift that never quits giving. This keeps going and going and going and going. My brother, my sister, this is powerful. He doesn't just want to bless us, Jenny. He wants to bless somebody else because of our testimony. So many people are in need. So many need help. The answer is not in the CRA, I'm telling you. The answer is in the word. The queen on her last Christmas address, December 25th, 2021. She said, Jesus, her first word in her address was the name of Jesus. She said, Jesus and his teachings have been the bedrock of my Christian faith my entire life. And she continued on. You can read her last address last year. She started with Jesus. And I know ministers that know of other ministers that have met her and she was born again. I'm telling you, 100%, she was born again. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when she gets to heaven. Because she got all the pomp up here. But what happens when you get to heaven? And the greatest shall be the least. I'm not saying that she'll be the least. I don't know. But I'm just saying, you're up there. Ain't. <laughs> yeah, she was doing her job. Her duty to the nation. 
but I don't know how much for the kingdom she accomplished with the platform of 2.4 billion people under her dominion. I love the, I think it's a sweetheart lady, don't get me wrong. I'm not judging, I'm not nothing, but I'm just saying, when you have a platform, 2.4 billion people and unlimited wealth, uh, I don't care what your job description says, buddy. You better open your mouth and you better, you have a platform for Jesus. You better use it because only what she did for Jesus is going to give her a reward. She might have had all the rewards down here, but what she did for Jesus and only that is going to be what she has a reward up there. And maybe she did more than we know. And maybe she has more rewards than we think. But I'm just saying, no matter how much money you accumulate down here, your cars, your houses, God wants to bless you. But that's not really what matters. What matters is what you do for the kingdom down here. Because for eternity, this is a drop in the bucket. For eternity, the ocean of eternity is going to determine what you did down here. It's going to be determined by what you did down here. So everybody that lives all this stuff, I hope they did something for God because they're going to get there. I am convinced she's in Dad Hagen's class right now learning faith because I can promise you she don't know nothing about faith. She knows how to, how to control the room. She knows how to be an amazing statesman. She knows how to be a sweet lady. But does she know what the spirit of faith is? Does she know what the gifts of the spirit are? She's up there learning just like you're here learning. Probably Dr. Dufresne's teaching her this morning in his class. I'm trying to make heaven real to you. It's very real. If you don't learn it here, you're going to learn it there. You're going to play hooky down here? You're going to be in class and those angels aren't going to let you play hooky. They're going to wake you up. Get out of bed. Get to the class. You're ignorant. You need, to, you need knowledge. Hallelujah. Praise God. Randy Greer's dad, the night before he died, he knew he was dying the next day. He dismissed his own spirit, died exactly on the minute that he said he'd die. But when he had an open vision and he said, I see the classrooms. And he said, oh, that seat's waiting for me. He said, tomorrow, he said to his wife, tomorrow I'll be in class in heaven. He died the next day. He went and sat right down in that seat in that class. There's classes in heaven just like there's classes on earth. There's church services in heaven just like there's church services on earth. If you don't get it here, you're getting it there, buddy. No, I'm serious. People think they're going to get away with it. You're not. Poor Miss Queen, I don't know how many church services she went to. She's the head of the entire church, but I don't know how much church she went to. She's going to be sitting down learning. And what you do here gives you rewards there. You don't do much here, you don't have much there. You can have lots of money, but nothing up there. When I say I'm talking about rewards, because you're all getting a mansion. Praise God. Deserve it or not, you're getting one. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're going to look at what we're doing down here that we're going to pay attention to learning in church here, that we're going to listen to these 10 nuggets that you've given us today, and that we're going to apply it and do it and be grateful for it, and we're going to be in the right position, in the right location, and showing honor and being close to who you've assigned and loving the message and stepping out in faith, and miracle upon miracle upon miracle will happen because, Father, they can access their faith. They can access my faith by their honor. They can access your faith through me by their honor. And we see much in the Old Testament in this story, so much in chapter 17 of Kings that really can change our life if we'll let it. Let this word dwell richly in them today. Let what you said through me in the offering about their, their giving, not just their tithing, let that dwell richly in them today. Let them realize this being the year of first, you're going to ask for more like you did when they took Jericho. Lord, you're looking to make sure that we're honoring you financially this year because you're trying to open the door to our increase in the next number of years that are coming. 
So we thank you that we're right in the middle of the perfect smack dab in the will of God. That, Lord, this church will succeed. It has no other choice because we're in the right place. That, Lord, they will succeed. There's no other choice. There's no argument about that because they're in the right place. They're where God has led them, and they're stepping out in faith, and they're staying close to the message and to their pastor. So they can't fail. And if it looks like they're failing, let them make sure they're at Zarephath and not Cherith. And Father, if one person says no, but they're in the right place, let them not be afraid for another person is on the way because you will not let them fail when they're in the right place. So I thank you, Father, for it. And I bless you and I honor you in the mighty name of Jesus.